2: these tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at W-H-Y-A-G-A-I-N dot O-R-G. If you go to that website and click on the two words that they start here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book. His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. If you click the link and download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again, absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. And if you choose to do that, before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app. That app contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process. And it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. And we hope people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they actively apply these tools in their lives. And secondarily, because it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, we would appreciate you doing so by giving us a call at 563-999-3581. If you call that number and press 1, it will put the little... I kind of a hand by your phone number. I'll turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code, and we can have a conversation. We appreciate when anybody does that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work, and the intention we have with this work is to be a service. It's far easier to do when people give us the feedback, so if you're listening in the archives and you'd like to get Give us feedback or ask a question or make a comment. You can do so by emailing me at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org. Or you can email genie at j-e-a-n-i-e at yagain.org. Why That's w-h-y-a-g-a-i-n dot norg And when we get those comments or questions or testimonials, we'll address them on the Internet show and then, as time allows, send you a notification so you can listen back to the archive for the input so here we are on a Thursday we have plenty of time for comments questions answers feedback 563-999-3581 call that number press one and we can have a conversation I um I lined up a, an interview today with a woman who specializes in empowering women and being a coach, and a, a rapid transformational therapist, and a hypnotist, but specifically to, um, to help empower women to get out of the negative self-talk, to stop the procrastination and the self-doubt, et cetera, imposter syndrome, et cetera. And so I'll interview her on the 20th, and kind of um, synchronistically this morning I was listening to the podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. It's the, the first podcast on our, their new season. And it's podcast number 239, if you're interested, with uh, Adrian Marie Brown, M-A-R-E-E-E, Brown. And it, what was interesting to me was as I was reading up about the, um, the get-to-know-this-woman-who-I'm-going-to-introduce-or-I'm-going-to-interview-on-the-20th- And she talked about how it's so important to quit focusing on the external stuff and focus on the inside, and that's essentially what this podcast is about. They're asking the question, why is it so hard for us to get satisfaction, to be satisfied, to be content? And the answer that these four women talk about on the We Can Do Hard Things podcast is because our culture is programming us to focus on the outside, focus on the stuff we accumulate. Focus on the relationship with somebody outside of us. Focus on our car, our house, our our body image matching some external um, program or template. And so, I have several patients that I'm going to be recommending that podcast to on the We Can Do Hard Things podcast. So I thought I would mention it here today, because it is um, this woman, uh, Adrienne Marie Brown, is an artist, she's a writer, um, and she speaks quite clearly about the power of art, dance, writing in our lives, and how important it is for us to get the satisfaction we need internally. Again, this just really falls in line with what I've been talking about the past few days. And I bring up the Abraham Hicks work. And Abraham Hicks encourages us to think about what's the feeling we think we're going to get when we get the new job, the new car, the new relationship, the new house. We hit the target weight, whatever it is, and then find a way to create that feeling long before we acquire the external thing. The reason for that is because, as Guy Finley points out, if I think acquiring something is going to make me happy, as soon as I get it and I feel that burst of energy that release of endorphins or whatever instantly have created a situation where now I'm fearful about how bad it's going to feel if I lose this and Guy Finley tries to point out to us how ridiculous it is for us to believe that the thing that's creating our pleasure and our satisfaction and our joy is also the thing that creates our fear and so that the true satisfaction, the true pleasure, the true contentment comes as an inside job, not in the pursuit of the external accoutrements. So uh, we can do hard things. Their most recent podcast, the podcast number is... 239 and as always if you listen to that I will I would appreciate comment or feedback I always like to know if the kinds of things I'm sharing are also striking you the listener as being relevant sometimes it seems quite relevant and on target to me and sometimes we'll get in a support group and somebody will say, I don't get what you, I don't know why you shared that with us, or I don't think that's the same message. So feedback's always appreciated. And in lieu of that, this morning I'm going to go back to the readings I've been doing from the Way of Mastery Lesson 9 was reading Lesson 8 and Lesson 9 these past few days as a way of highlighting how clearly our choice of where we focus our mind energy our thoughts is the creative force that creates our experience of life. And the most recent exercise offered in this reading is the invitation to spend five minutes each and every day and never let a day slip by where you sit alone by yourself, not with any music on, not with a group of other people, not with your proposed or supposed relationship to someone else or relationship to God, but just sit by yourself. And one way of thinking about it is just tuning your awareness to the teachings in this book, to the idea that what you choose to focus your conscious awareness upon is what creates your experience of life in the moment. So if you sit in a chair by yourself and simply understand that the only reason you're in that chair, in that location, is because you have chosen to do that. And by focusing on that, directly observable, deep truth of life, moment to moment, we can start to become aware of this dynamic of the creative power of our thought energy more and more throughout the day. And eventually, if we can actually sit in a chair as the creator, as a pure consciousness that creates as it focuses its awareness, we can extend the time. 5 minutes, 7 minutes, 20 minutes, etc. So then the next story, the next part of Lesson 9, holds one of the stories that when I first read it, I thought it was completely out of place. But the more I read it over the years, and, and dozens and dozens of times I've been through this book, the more I read it, the more it started to get into me at a different level. And the story is titled, Planting the Seed that Produces the Desired Result. And the text reads, Once, indeed, there was a farmer who went out to plant the seed in his ground. But before he went to plant the seed, he selected the seed very carefully. The other farmers rushed out because they thought, oh, look, it's the time for planting to begin. Everything's perfect. The conditions are just right. We must make haste and plant. And they bought whatever seeds they could get, and they went out and they spread them across the ground, and they began their busy work of doing what they had to do. Rest assured, they would have their harvest. But in this story, the wise farmer waited. And while he was laughed at by his colleagues, he carefully selected every single seed. He waited until he could hold it in his hand and say, Oh, I like the vibration of this seed. This feels very good. Oh, yes, I can just see the beautiful plant that's going to arise from this. The fruit of it will be the sweetest in all the valley. And he gathered his seeds. He paid no attention to the passing of the dates on a calendar. He paid no attention to the changing weather conditions. He knew that when the time was right, the seed would be planted And from it would burst forth the flower of those seeds. He knew it. He gave no thought to the opinions of his colleagues. And he enjoyed the process of loving the seeds that he was making his own. And then the farmer went out and he cast the seed upon the soil of his farm, which is likened unto the soil of your own awareness. He planted the seeds, and he tamped them down, and he nurtured them, and he watered them, and he cultivated them with a smile upon his face. And yes, the neighbor's seeds seemed to be already sprouting up through the ground. He could not have cared less, for he knew that these seeds would bring him an eternal harvest. But they would not just burst forth once from the soil and then throw out some mediocre fruit and then die. For he had selected seeds that would constantly bring forth in each season the best of fruits. He loved them and he nurtured them and he cultivated them. Long after the other farmers had grown weary and tired and had experienced drought and the seeds that brought forth fruit where the insects would come and destroy them and and fruit that would not be purchased by the people in the marketplace, long after that, this one farmer became the greatest of farmers in the entire valley. People would come from all over the world to bite, to take a little nibble, out of the fruit that came from his garden. Yet, the farmer merely delighted in continually loving and nurturing these seeds and cultivating the soil in which they were planted daily. He never took his consciousness away from his perfect union with those seeds. He never once forgot that he was the one that created this farm as a direct result of his careful selection of which seeds he would plant in his soil. And while others marveled at his good fortune, and while others were jealous of his good luck, the farmer always knew that no magic was involved. He merely followed in the footsteps of the wisdom given to him by his creator. Quote, Take my fruit and plant it in your consciousness. Know that you are one with me, and that fruit you experience is the result of the seeds you plant in your own consciousness. Know that you cannot help but experience the result, the fruit of the seeds that you plant. Nothing bursts forth on the vine of your experience by accident. Therefore, create with me, my child, create like unto myself by knowing, knowing that you are a creator, a farmer, a planter, and you will indeed harvest the quality of the seeds that you plant. Just as you, beloved child, are the harvest of the seed I once planted when I first held the thought of you in my holy mind. And in that moment, you arose as a sunbeam from the sun, made in my image. I held you as the thought of love in form, and I bestowed you with all good things. Therefore, see yourself as I see you. Embrace yourself as I embrace you. Accept yourself as you are. A creator creating constantly. And just as I sat upon my throne, which means to sit in the center of all that is, and I beheld you as a loving thought, so too you may choose only to allow loving thoughts to enter into your consciousness. You may choose to only allow loving thoughts to be expressed with your words. You may choose only to allow loving thoughts to be translated into your gestures, your choices, and your actions. And thereby, you may choose to create as I created you. That which extends joy forever. That which extends the good, the holy, and the beautiful forever. For that is what you are. That is how I thought of you when I created you, and that is what you remain eternally. Therefore, join with me by extending your creation as I have extended my creation as you. Since you have manifested a physical body, accept this teaching and let that body be placed in a chair that you might think like the mind of Christ for five minutes. And then you will beget an eternal an eternality that reflects the radiance of heaven, just as you reflect the radiance of your creator. End the quote. Indeed, in the entire valley, there was but one farmer that was wise. The question is, will you elect to join the union comprised of all the hasty farmers, or will you choose to take up residence as the one farmer who knows how to create wisely and in faith, and the farmer who rests upon perfect certainty and merely sits back to wait for the ripples of heaven to come and replace the ripples of hell that you once created unwittingly. Everyone is a minister. You cannot help but be a minister to the world in each moment. Therefore, begin your ministry of enlightened consciousness now. And I promise you this absolutely irrevocably. You will experience all that I have known and more. You will experience complete victory over death. You will experience complete unlimitedness and abundance. You will experience perfect peace, perfect miracle-mindedness, and perfect unbroken awareness of your communion in bliss with all of creation. Once, when I was a man, I was taught to sit at the base of a tree for five minutes a day and to imagine myself to be the creator of all that I could think, all that I could see, all that I could feel. Five minutes taken out of the hours of play of a child. You are a child at play in your own kingdom. Will you give yourself five minutes to learn to be a Christ that creates in unlimited perfection, in alignment with the mind of the Creator, whose experience is always radiantly blissful and free of limitation and fear? Will you experience your creation? What creation that is and how you experience it is entirely up to you. The message of this lesson, built upon the last lesson, begins to translate the capital T, Truth, into an action. Very simple, very practical. So simple and so practical that you will be hard-pressed to find a reason, an excuse against it. For those of you so busy trying to take care of dealing with all the things that life throws at you, even you know that you can find five minutes. And those five minutes can be the beginning of birthing a whole new universe for yourself. And with that, I offer peace unto you always by making the decision to choose to receive peace as a Christ. Herein lies the secret of much of what will be shared in the upcoming Lessons. For what I specifically seek to do in the way of mastery, and this specific work that you know as Shanti Cristo, is the birthing of a multitude of Christs that dwell upon your earth all at the same time. It's never been done before. Imagine a world with 10 million awakened children of the Creator fully awake. Not just as a belief or an idea, but those who have mastered fear, who no longer live in doubt whatsoever, and who are busy creating universes that mirror, that mirror they perfectly mirror the kingdom of heaven. Imagine it if you dare. It can begin now practice well for the next 30 days. If you do not, you will find yourself having to go back and start again anyway before you can receive the next phase of what will be shared. The choice is yours. Peace, then, be unto you always. mean, So, that's the finish Lesson 9, and we have now reviewed Lesson 8 and Lesson 9 in the Way of Mastery, triggered by the reading we were doing in A Walk in the Physical, a book by Christian Sundberg. And in that book, the thing that triggered me to go back and read Lesson 8 and Lesson 9 is the following answer to the question, is there punishment in the afterlife at all? And the answer was, we are all completely and totally responsible for every single choice, every single thought, every single action, and every single intent. Our past choices and actions and intent can lead us into various experiences whether in this world or in another and some of those experiences may be extremely painful or dark at the same time the enduring truth that transcends that entire process is unconditional love and that love is completely and totally accepting and understanding so Here's hoping you can see the relevance and why reading that statement and that short paragraph from the Christian Sundberg question and answer section of the book A Walk in the Physical, how and why that led me vibrationally to want to go back and read Lesson 8 and Lesson 9 in The Way of Mastery. So our calling number, we've got about half an hour. 563-999-3581. What's on your mind? How has this been landing for you? In the chat room, you can type a, a comment. If you're on the phone, press 1 after you call 563-999-3581. Let us know, is this connecting? I have so many people I work with who do not understand that it's the choice of where they focus their conscious awareness in each moment that is the device that creates their experience of life. And I was having a session with a woman last night who was talking about how She's just tooling along in her day, either at work or at home, doing nice things, and then all of a sudden she'll get flooded with anxiety, almost as though her body and mind gets hijacked. And so all of these tools that she might use, the goal canceling, the reality management worksheet, the EFT tapping, the targeted journaling, et cetera, none of it works because she gets hijacked. And so we started talking about the kinds of situations that set her up for that. And and she's got patterns of situations she can recognize. And so the tool that's most useful for her is to spend more time, when she's not triggered, turning the focus of her attention inside her mind-body energy system to where the earliest warning signs are of her feeling resistance, of her feeling triggered. I just got, you know, as, as I as I mentioned earlier um, in the show, the the um, podcast episode from We Can Do Hard Things, episode two thirty nine. This this podcast, these four women talking about this dynamic are talking about how critical it is to learn to shift the focus to inside yourself when you're hoping for any kind of satisfaction. So if you stay focused on the outside, and we have, you know, we've all been conditioned to do it, and we all do it to one degree or another. We are literally dooming ourselves to not be able to reach contentment or satisfaction. It's just not going to happen. Because as Michael Singer was pointing out as we were listening to him on Tuesday, the first step in spiritual growth and development is to recognize that the upset you're feeling is not caused by the outside events in your life, that you can't change or control those outside events. The flow of life is just going to happen. And he says, once people start to tap into that, they go to step two, which is now they focus inside themselves and they try to change how they're feeling inside themselves. And Michael Singer, at this advanced level of spiritual teaching, says... I hope I can interest you in the experiment of refusing to do step two. And this was something that made people interrupt um, our, you know, the, the flow of of the presentation and say, "Wait a minute! What was he saying?" I thought I thought he said we're we're, we're supposed to not try to change how we feel on the inside and that's you know seem a seeming paradox right we talk about that in this work the the book a walk in the physical says if you see everything there is to see about a picture about a situation about life in the moment there there's there is no paradox you'll see how everything is working and how it's connected so If you think, oh, this is a paradox, he's telling me to not work to change how I'm feeling on the inside. And that's the opposite of what Michael Singer is talking about or what Michael Rice is talking about or what Guy Finley is talking about. It's only seeming, it's appearing as a paradox for you because of the filters that you have on, because of the meanings you're giving to those words, and because your perception is limited. A lot of people say that the Michael Rice uh, Reality Management Worksheet is too um, intellectual for them. It's too much in the head. And that's just their interpretation of it. Others look at it and say, oh, the first three steps have me map out what my mind is doing to have me stuck And then have me cancel all of that and tune into a creative flow, an intuitive flow, an inspirational flow, a whole different level of energy, of insight, of connection to a wisdom that goes beyond the conscious logical. That's not the same as trying to change how I'm feeling. It's about acknowledging that whatever it is I'm feeling, I'm creating it. And to have me slow down, turn the focus inside, and wake up to direct observation of, okay, how is it that I'm creating this very thing that I don't like? And then what? Watch what happens. But then what? Make a note of how you're thinking or feeling. And then what? Watch what happens. And then what? The then what question? Is always answered by just watch, just observe, just allow, and as life unfolds, and you recognize that it's your resistance to life that creates your pain and fear and sadness. To, 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 I, I won't say exclusively, but to a great degree, all of your emotional suffering is created by the way you choose to interpret and respond to the life flow. Physical pain may happen, yes, and yet while physical pain happens, suffering is not necessary. It's one of the ancient phrases that are directives or invitations to observe that comes down from a a wide range of different spiritual teachings. While pain is a part of this existence, suffering is optional. And the Reality Management Worksheet literally asks me to be willing to focus my observational skills in the moment on what it is I'm doing with my conscious mind energy to either create the upset that I say I don't want or to hide from me the dynamic that's creating that upset. And if I'm willing to do that, I'm just going to open myself up. I'm going to open myself up to a new flow of input, insight, inspiration, intuition. And as I open myself to that and I practice it, I gain strength with it. I gain facility. I gain muscle memory for what it's like. To get out of the conscious logical rat race in my mind to question everything that I think I know, especially when I have any kind of discomfort, physical, mental or emotional discomfort so five six three nine 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 three five eight one how is this landing for you? What would be a good direction to go in if this is not striking you as beneficial? We have about 20 minutes left and plenty of time for a comment, a question, an answer, or a testimonial. And if that doesn't occur, if no one puts a hand up here, I'm going to go back and scan through some of the following questions. And one of them that um I have I I have friends, I have people I work with who are divided basically into two camps. One of them is that there are evil spirits and there are demons. And the other one is that it's all just energy. And it's how some individual might, and some wounded individual might be motivated to use their particular focus of creative energy, their mind energy. And so here's a question that says, are demons real and are there evil spirits? And the answer is given as, generally speaking, the idea of, quote, demons, close quotes, may fall into two categories. The first is actual fellow free-willed beings who have fearful or selfish intent and who are operating in other reality systems of form. And the second option is the lively, quote, thought objects, close quotes, that arise from the human collective consciousness that can be interacted with in non-physical environments but are not actually free-willed. Now, if you're like me, you'll have to hear that or read that a number of times before it makes any sense. So the first thing is, Demons fall into two categories. One of them is people just like us who are so wounded that their intent is so selfish and fear-based that when they interact with people, they're destructive in different ways. They're nasty, they're insulting, they are, you know, um, their selfish intent and their fearful intent or their intent driven by fear is so powerful that they end up doing things that are detrimental to themselves and others. This is basically what happens in... Lesson 3 in the Way of Mastery, where it says you could choose to look on the person who just broke into your house and stole your stereo as another being of brilliance and light who's either temporarily forgotten or yet to discover their brilliance, and they haven't learned of their ability to get all of their needs met without hurting anybody else, without infringing on other people's rights. So that's the first category of things that they offer as demons. The second one is what Jung would call these archetypes, these collective thought objects that arise from us as humans because we are all in this system that have been influenced by other people. Michael Rice likes to talk about it as there's a, a virus that gets introduced to a computer and instead of cleaning up the virus, people just go and take their hard drive and plug it into a new computer, and they take the virus with them. And after doing that for umpteen generations, that's who we are as human beings. We were raised by people who were scrambling for survival and developed these patterns of physical survival and then without any instruction manual just adopted it directly. So, it seems I might have caught it right when it happened, but I got dumped off the call and called back in. So, here's hoping that I am being heard, and even if you don't want to say anything, if you're hearing this, please press 1 on your phone. You can just hit it and then hit it off again, to it'll let me know that I'm being, that it's coming through, because clearly there's some blog talk. All right, thank you. And um, if you have a comment to make, you can leave your hand up or you can press 1 again on your phone. So the idea is we have this two options being given to us to answer the question, are demons and evil spirits real? One of them is there are people just like us who, as um, M. Scott Peck writes in his book, People of the Lie, regular normal human beings do things as they're running from their own internal pain fear or sadness that's the only way they do things that hurt other people there isn't anything as such as a, any such thing as a truly evil person and yet evil acts are done hurtful things are done to others wars bombs are dropped people steal money people have you know rapes and beatings and those things happen But the theory is, from these great spiritual teachings and from people like M. Scott Peck, he was a psychiatrist and a researcher, that those happen only when people just like you and I are so convinced that they can't face their own internal pain, fear, or sadness that they're doing things to avoid facing it, and that's the process that creates the abuse, the damage, the, quote, evil, close quotes. So it could be an individual like that running from their own pain, fear, or sadness, or this option is there is this collective consciousness of people who have been raised without a good roadmap, who have been taught to focus on the external environment for their gratification and for their satisfaction, and they've been taught that love is a verb instead of the true nature of the energy that they were created from, etc., so this text goes on and says, in both cases, spirit, consciousness, transcends duality itself. And spirit is fundamentally loving, free, powerful, and joyful. Now, spirit can then, quote, opt in, close quotes, to have a discrete free-willed experience of form and duality whether that's happening in this reality or others now there's such a thing as now now there is such a thing as any given spirit only being so adept at expressing its true loving nature within the constraints of the form it's taken on that is this is that M. Scott Peck business of, so here's a person who is not very adept at dealing with financial stress or dealing with, you know, re- repeated negative obsessive compulsive thoughts or dealing with um, urges to protect themselves even when they're not really physically being threatened. And those people who are not so adept at dealing with their internal structure tendency for depression, tendency for obsessive-compulsive disorder, tendency to feel overwhelmed, tendency to feel anxious, they may act in ways that are fear-based and that are so completely selfish as to do damage to others. That is, each of us is only so evolved in love. And each of us yet has fear. Indeed, part of what we're doing here is working to evolve the quality of our intent such that we can be successfully loving and creative within a very wide array of experiences. This choice-making occurs both in our physical system and in other systems. There is imperfect choice-making happening both on Earth and in other forms of reality. So the wielding of fear-based intent is possible even by beings in certain other reality systems. But, quote, evil, close quotes, is not a fundamental force. It's only the expression of our yet unevolved status. It is where we express fear within whatever context. As creative beings, we give birth to all sorts of experiences, choice-making, and opportunities all sorts of ideas, objects, and names. That includes things that we consider dark, things that help to add to the depths of possible manifestation by providing contrast. Now, are those things experienced as real within a given reality system? Yes. But are those things, even things like demons, are they fundamentally real? No. The only thing that is fundamentally real is consciousness itself, and that consciousness engages in all sorts of wonderful and terrifying free-willed experiences of form in the ultimate name of joy and love. So 5639993581. Let me know if this is making any sense. Here's a question that's been asked. Are there evil spirits? Is there evil as a an external thing? And as I read this, the answer is we can experience it. We've all had experiences of it. And yet When we experience it coming from a single person, it's only because they feel they're in the middle of experiencing pain, fear, or sadness that they feel incapable of dealing directly within themselves. So in their attempts to numb out from it, run away from it, blame it on others, they do things that we consider evil. And then there is this long-standing pattern that Jung would call the collective Consciousness, or collective unconscious, in Jung's terms, archetypes, etc., where hundreds of, of millions of us, thousands of millions of us by now, are all thinking in patterns that are similar enough because we've been trained by families in trauma, etc., and cultures at war, etc., and countries that experience famine, etc., that we are sinking in these unproductive, scared, selfish, angry thought patterns that we're creating these energies of fear and anger and hurt. And we run into those energies and we experience them because we're energy beings because we're consciousness because we're energy sensitive 5639993581 nine, 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 what's your take on this i take it as good news because It keeps coming back to the idea that I just finished reading in Lesson 8 and Lesson 9 of The Way of Mastery that this process of creation is self-induced. If I don't like what I'm experiencing... I can begin practicing sitting in a chair for five minutes a day as someone who's going to become aware that they are ceaselessly creating. If I sit and complain about anything in my life, I'm creating the experience of upset. If I sit and practice allowance like one of those keys to the kingdom from Lesson 5 in the way of mastery, I get a different experience. Area code 541, you're in the air. Yes, Celinda here. Welcome.
3: Welcome and thank you. I would um, like to express my joy in listening to this. I also uh, did a worksheet a couple of days ago that I will probably share this evening in the support group um, or tomorrow morning if possible. Uh, That was a a real breakthrough for me, that behind all of my patterns of fear for my safety and uh, rage at being abused, are two primary (laughs) illusions from um, the way of mastery uh, that it is asked to uh, let go of. And one is the need to be right, and the other is uh, uh, being supported in my rightness. And also the outcome of that is the need to have my own way. And I realized this morning that from my being told what happened to me at two, uh, indirectly, that um, at two, I have been hanging on since two years old to both my terror and my rage. And uh, they were the outcome of a little goal that I had for whatever it was, that my mother didn't want me to do for whatever her reason, and that as a result of that, I've been hanging on to this goal of getting my own way. And uh, having to be right is when I got conscious enough to make meaning out of it all, um, I evolved into... A belief system about right and wrong or whatever and I don't know how to explain it completely because it's still a sensation more than anything and as a result of the rage of wanting to strike back or wanting to have my own way and the terror of being harmed and some sort of little pre-conscious fear of dying that I have um, held on to that and recreated it in some form or another in all of my life patterns and it's how
2: I survived was. Um, it's curious to me that you use the term "some little fear" of not surviving. Oh, As little. It's I mean, in for that to be age.
3: Little. Yeah, it wasn't little. It was really life-threatening for me, but little I meant in relation to being two years old, like how small I was. And the outcome of that is what I did was I shut down all of my systems. And I discovered this through the Touch for Health and the Education of Kinesiology. I such, when I get highly stressed, I shut down my hearing, I shut down my visualization, you know, narrow my focus, over-focus. I shut down my communication. I get lost and overwhelmed. And I shut down my feeling, my emotions, my sensations. And, um, and basically what happened at the end of this worksheet was that I flatlined. I started out at about a 5, and I flatlined at a out of five because the trigger was a dream I had And my goal of course Was all evolved around safety But by the time I got to the bottom of my sheet I realized that it didn't have anything to do With safety at all And it, yes it did have to do The paradox there, yes it did And no it doesn't It um, it had to do about the goal And like for me that was a real Bingo It's the goal.
2: All right. Well, perhaps tonight in the support group and or tomorrow on the Internet show, you'll share the whole worksheet and it'll make more sense to everybody and maybe even you by that time. But I appreciate the work and you're sharing it and I look forward to further updates as you see fit to give them. I will mute you so you can listen in. Thank you for the call. I will remind us all that we come from love we're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. Welcome, Jeannie Rice.
1: Thank you, Dr. Tim. And uh, did you get my email about next week?
2: Yes, thank you. I will, I will okay, look forward awesome. to playing those for you. All
1: thank right, you have so a great much. show. Thank you. So welcome, everybody, to the second hour of Mindshifters Radio. And today is Thursday, September the 7th. 2023, and our call-in number is five six three nine 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 three five eight one, and press one, and that puts you into queue to Talk to us. We'd love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. And yesterday we were out doing errands. We're trying to get things together to leave early Saturday morning to head to the beach, which I am excited about, and uh, we're meeting. Uh, Michael's son, Michael J., and Jamie and Kaylee Joe are flying in Saturday night and joining us there for the week. So we get to spend the week with the newest granddaughter. And so we're excited about that. And we decided to play shows all week and just uh, have the total time just concentrating on being with them and, and relaxing. And so uh, we appreciate you. We're, we've we got uh, several of of what I consider the best shows, tune in and listen to those, and I'm going to welcome Michael. Hello, Michael.
0: Hello, Jeannie.
1: (laughs) Thank
4: you, dear heart. Welcome. And welcome, everybody. Thanks for being with us. It's an honor to have you here. And, hmm, so much to talk about, so many things going on. Had a couple of days have been a bit of a challenge for me. I uh, sprained in my foot the other day, I was hobbling around on crutches, and that kind of consumed me for a little while one of those things. And of course, getting ready for uh for travel time, we get a week with our new grandbaby. she's gonna turn one year of age
1: one yeah,
4: the last day that she's with us it be a week from Saturday, and we've only had. Oh well, let's see, sweetie, I think you've had, what, two and a half weeks? That's been uh, in. I got we, to do an extra couple yeah. of weeks
1: well, so you didn't no, get a little to go. Well, more than that. We were there... Um, I guess we were there almost a month. A
4: month or so. Yeah, after she was
1: born, and then we, we went right. back up right. there for the wedding. Right. And, yeah, and then you went back up uh, when, when CJ was transitioning.
4: Right. So it's going to be fun to see her. uh, We
1: FaceTime with her about every other night, and and, uh, Michael starts singing a song to her that he sings to Aria as well, and uh, she grins every time he starts singing it.
4: (laughs) I started singing to her, you know, like we got there about a month after she was born. We were going to go for her birth, but... uh, Uh, Michael J. had a month off of work, so we decided it would be better for us to wait and show up when they'd need help, so he had to go back to work. But I started singing it to her right away, and it was a song I sang to Ari Reigns since since the time she was the smallest. When I got back, I explained to her that I had borrowed her song to sing with Kaylee Joe, and I said, I didn't really get your permission. I apologize for that. Is that okay? And she said, You don't need my permission. (laughs) It's like, oh, yeah, oh, so sweet, so awesome. Anyway, let's see what else is going on. The movie we watched, we watched a movie last night, which I thought was really very interesting. It's called Summer, was it Summertime? No, Summertown? Summertown. Summertown. I wish I could... Fine. Well, I actually haven't looked. It maybe it may be on uh, YouTube, but I'm going to post it. It's really powerful. It's just a sweet story about Paul, and you know the world, the games people play are so judgmental of each other. And it's just a really nice portrayal of uh, two women who end up being lovers, and just who they were as people and uh, you know just a number of events that happened to just show here we are you know we're all just people <laughs> and whose business is it there's so much that everybody's got to jump in on everybody else's business and everybody's got a judgment for somebody everybody's got a separation thought and a condemnation thought and it's just like it was just a beautiful portrayal of just human beings being human and not following somebody else's rules but again you know to me the bottom line message was it it was so powerful just just watch them as human beings it's like whose business is it unfortunately those who would be the american taliban are strongly working to take over people's all sorts of things including their bedrooms which is really kind of interesting and pretty insane but uh to see if we can find a way we can get that on a Facebook post without people having to pay for it. Let's see where they'll find it. Anyway, if you get a chance to see it, make the space to see it. It's just a sweet story, but some of the challenges people face and what they go through and without giving away the you know, there's some really interesting shocking twists in it. But uh just who we are as human beings and if we could just you know start to embrace each other in that in that regard it would be quite uh quite powerful. If we could just be humans with each other. Anybody Miss Jeannie? Do we have anybody in the phone queue with a hand up or anything happening in the chat room?
1: No, but I did get an email from Roma, and she wrote this uh, last night, or no, well, I got it at 1.40 this morning, so I'm not sure when she wrote it. Right. But she said, dear friends, it was an amazing sunset tonight, at 7 p.m., brilliant, like a fire in the sky, to my west where Lahaina was, then at seven eleven, another stage of the fire after the ensuing 10 minutes when it had calmed down. Of course, one could only be reminded of a recent tragedy, the grief for a wonder for how long, perhaps quite some time, no words, only silence. And she sent another one after that that says, Dear team, I can feel your love and support. Thank you. I had a dream last night of resurrecting what is of value and useful from the utter chaos of destruction, new life coming back. There was a photo yesterday of some small leaves growing out of a joint on the banyan tree in Lahaina. The landmark's heart, such a beautiful sight, one of hope, resurrection, and celebration. Aloha,
4: I assume the banyan tree survived.
1: Well, I think it, it must have gotten kind of messed up but he's saying Probably that there were some survived. small yeah. new joints. Yeah, new joints coming out ah. of it. So. Cool. Yeah.
4: I remember that tree is huge. I mean it just covers I don't even know how big an area. It's monumental. The road to Lahaina. Yeah, you know, holding uh holding Maui and holding the uh, especially the native peoples who have been struggling since uh, a group of thieves from America called businessmen their name is very well known especially at one particular pineapple company who used the threat of the US military to depose the queen of Hawaii who was recognized all around the world and uh, You know, just went and took over. I mean, literally stole the country. Absolute, total, complete, straight up, documented in our lifetime's theft of a country. And the beginning of the destruction of a people. And the story is unfolding and continuing there since the fires, because many people who have struggled to keep their property because of course when people come in people have money want services when they want services they demand the local government give them services and local government has to charge for the services and so it gets to the point where the people who were indigenous there as in the whole of america literally the whole country they can't afford or they're not allowed to live on their land And now some of the old-time peoples who were able to do that but were devastated in the fire, I understand they're being harangued by what, if you look in the ancient scriptures, you hear being the great men of the earth. Those who got good at the money game have accumulated large, large, large quantities of absolutely, totally, completely worthless paper, but it's called money, and because people believe that it's money, which it's not. Take a look at one of those things and it says on it that it's a Federal Reserve note. It doesn't say anything about money. It has no value whatsoever. But there are people who have accumulated large quantities of that. If you go back to the Founding Fathers, you'll find that the Founding Fathers said that money would be... Gold and silver, whose price was set by the Congress of the United States. That's the only thing. That's the definition of money in America. But guess what? Gold and silver isn't set by the Congress of the United States of America. Shortly after that happened, guess who took over the setting of the price of gold and silver and where it still sits today? It's right in the boardrooms in England. Right back with the king. And so because these fake Federal Reserve notes, worth nothing, people talk about inflation. Oh, our prices have gone up so much. Guess what? If in 1900 you had an ounce of gold, it was worth, I think, maybe around $13 or $19, something like that. Guess what you could buy with that? You could go into, let's say a guy could go into a men's shop and buy a very nice suit for that. Guess what an ounce of gold is today? It's about, uh, I'm not sure, eighteen, nineteen, hundred Federal Reserve notes. They call them dollars. They're not dollars. A dollar is 532 grains of silver. I might be off of that number. That's what a dollar is. They're not dollars. It's been called that. It's a lie. Federal Reserve notes. But you know if you go into a fine men's shop and want to buy a suit today, you know what it costs? <laughs> about the same as that the gold. About nineteen hundred dollars. There's been no inflation. It's all a lie. This is another aspect of the work that we get into more in things like laws of living. It's not usually part of the conversation here, but it seems appropriate in the setting of what's going on in Hawaii right now. Because these great men at the earth who've become the custodians of giant quantities of this paper, and actually it isn't even Federal Reserve notes paper anymore, it's just digits in a computer, but have conned everybody else into the fact that they control those, they own those, they should be theirs, are going in and contacting these people who are desperate, who are suffering, who are in such grief and loss and pain, and they're now haranguing them and saying, oh, I have some Federal Reserve notes. I'd like to buy your land. It's interesting. I remember when we first went to Hawaii, we spent several weeks in Hawaii back, oh, I don't know, 25 years ago. And we connected with some of the local Hawaiians. And one of the sayings they have there is that when the missionaries came to Hawaii, they came to do good, but they did well. And what the natives say is when the missionaries came, the missionaries had Bible, Bibles and we had land. And now we have the Bibles and the missionaries have the land. It's a tragic insanity. And it's happened to indigenous peoples all over the world. There was, and I believe it, my understanding is it is it is factual, and I don't remember the name of the Native American chief who did this, but he was a leader of one of I think it, I don't even want to guess I don't remember which one of the larger Native American tribes. He was probably in his eighties. This was back when they were doing the Moonshot, and they asked him if he wanted to send a message. And so he did. And I believe it was in in the Lakota language, and I may be mistaken on that. But he sent it, and then uh, when they finally got somebody to translate, he wouldn't translate it. The message was basically, be careful if you have land These men who've just landed here will take your land. Basically that was the message. I mean we've watched it, I've traveled, you know, over the last forty years or so. And we used to go to South Florida and go to Key West. And the people that I know that used to live in Key West can't afford to live in Key West anymore because a great many of the earth have gone in and bought everything with their Federal Reserve notes and it is so outrageously expensive that the person who serves them in the restaurant or serves them in, you know, paper, whatever, the service people, they can't afford to live there. They've got to drive two, three, four, five islands up in order to get land cheap enough to afford because those with... The skill of conning others that Federal Reserve notes are money and worth something, are buying everything. In any event, this is apparently, I've been doing some research and reading about it, that there's something that's happening in Lahaina right now with the natives there, the Hawaiians. When I say harangue, they've got, you know, it's like we all know what the high-pressure sales calls are like, right? And these people are in such distraught conditions, desperate in many cases. Somebody with a pocket of federation, oh, well, hey, I'll give you enough money to get, yeah, all well, your money, well, we'll take care of that, and then and, and you'll have some worthless paper and we'll have your land. We start waking up and start to function out of actuality rather than these fantastical realities that are made up by men. Like ideas like money. Native Americans had no concept of ownership of land. They moved. They were nomadic. The land they were on was their land, but it wasn't something they owned. It was their land. Mm-hmm. The Europeans came and introduced this idea and so-called laws, rules, and regulations about owning land. They had no concept of it. So this white man would say, "Hey, look, see, I've got some nice shiny beads. I'll, I'll buy your land from you. Sign this piece of paper." Like, this crazy guy wants to give me deeds for this land. That's Yes, it's my land, but there was no concept of ownership. They didn't own the land. They were inhabitants of the earth. And then they found the next year when they came back, they couldn't go on their land because they didn't own it anymore. Somebody had introduced a set of scams about how now they could put a fence around it because they owned the land that they gave the beads for. And like, you know, the Native Americans' minds didn't, they didn't have brain cells to even conceive of what they meant, like, you're buying my land and it's going to be yours. And I won't be able to come back and hunt and fish and set up my community on it when it's time for us to come back here, like we have done for who knows how many thousands of years. Whew, so much to be addressed. So joining you, Roma, and holding a space for, uh, for the native peoples of Hawaii, for everyone, I mean, the people who settled there, not their fault, people who now, quote-unquote, own land, ancestors, all that stuff. They don't have a clue what's going on, but... Excuse me, Jeannie, go ahead.
1: I was just saying that we have a call. We have a hand up. Sweet.
4: And Let's it, say hello to our caller.
1: Area code 541. Is this Celinda?
4: Yes, yes, it
3: is. How'd you guess?
4: <laughs> Welcome, young lady. How are you? <clears throat> I'm good.
3: Your conversation Awesome. What's is on relevant? your mind today? Well... Um, your conversation about Native Americans and indigenous people. Um, since I lived on on Oahu for two years and Kauai for for thirteen years,
2: uh, right. I
3: can I really resonate to all this, and I really my heart goes out. And I saw some YouTube videos that um, some of the Hawaiians said they were being evicted from Lahaina. By the state, and I don't know if yeah. that's true or not, or what's going on. Um, they, of course, the have equivalent. been harassed by these. Pardon.
4: The equivalent. I mean, they've done yeah. the games that are being played over water rights, which, you know, there were certain native water rights that were the law even in the state of Hawaii. But now that the governor's determined, I don't understand all the incident, I haven't spent enough time understanding it, but as I understand the governor declaring an emergency because of this, all of a sudden, now they can start sealing the, the native uh, water rights again. And it's just... It's
0: when
4: that was, mindset.
0: Um, right. Well, this happens...
4: It's the same ahead. mindset. It's One other thought before you move on. It's the same mindset that has us living in a world where, you know, pretty much anywhere in the country today, it's it's the same game that's being played everywhere, and it's being played on, you know, John Q. Average in America, too, today, where, you know... <clears throat> They live in places where their overlords run their lives and they vote for them and you know, just say, for instance, for a family with two children to have a two bedroom apartment costs at least twelve to fifteen hundred dollars a month and there are two of those states with the the mindset that we're talking about here that steals from people that just rips and destroys and all of that two of the states where that is going on where that that rental rental rate is happening their minimum wage is $5.25 an hour and there are 14 other states in the same boat where the minimum wage is $7.25 an hour and when the group, when the mindset in America, you know, the American government, I the people who live in generosity and and fairness, what the scriptures call just and fair behavior, have tried, like just in the last couple of years, have tried to mandate a minimum wage of $15 an hour so that a family could at least afford to have an apartment, and it's been blocked by the same two people. Or pardon me. By, by the same people, it's been blocked in the Congress by the same group of people who have the five twenty-five to seven twenty-five an hour uh, minimum wage in at least uh, sixteen different states. It's the same game. It's just it's a mindset that, you know, it, it's it's the mindset that's the opposite of what when they said to Yeshua, what's most important in the law. And he didn't tell them love God love your neighbor as yourself he said you've got to have rock me you've got to have a mindset you've got to have a filter set in your mind so that your mind is set for love your mind is set for just and fair behavior and you know there's no such concept in the English language there's no such concept in the languages that that transmitted those teachings from the Aramaic to us here in Latin and Greek there, there's just there's no such idea For this, and so this mindset just is so sadly prevalent in so many places. Definitely, time for a wake up on planet Earth.
3: Yes, and it uh, is all
0: all classes
3: of people have been inoculated with it. So it's not a victim; it's an ignorance. And uh, just like I was ignorant before I uh, stumbled upon the Aramaic Gospel. I was ignorant before I um, was loaned your video in 1992, um, which allowed me to hold the seeds until I I had the thought, well... When I ran across your book, I had the thought, well, eventually I'll get your book when it comes on secondhand. And then when I did in December of nineteen of 2020, when I got your book, what is that? It's almost four years now. No, actually, yeah, December of um, 2019, it's been four years now and i feel like i've been shot out of a rocket ever since learning with building brain cells and that's what you just said we all have to build brain cells
4: Um, yeah somebody said for for where once i was blind now i see actually i like to change that that quote because that's a powerful one but there there's a, a, a notch higher and that is for where once i was sighted Now I see. It's not blindness that's the problem. It's sight. It's that we think with our eyes we're seeing what's happening out there, and we call the images that our brain generates out of the content that it holds that has been brainwashed. We call those images, those pictures that are painted on the inside of our eyeballs, sight. And it's not seeing. And that's where the scriptures talk about where for a lack of vision my people perish. Right. sight has replaced vision so it's really not where once I was blind now I see it's where once I was sighted now ah now I see I yeah yeah
3: the um I wanted to uh, share with you uh, what happened on Kauai about 10 years ago or so when mm-hmm. uh, the whole island was in a foment because on the west side the big GM, some big GMO company, I think from Switzerland, I'm not sure where. Yep, I where remember that. On the west side on Cape And what blew my mind away is when I found out for 10 years while that all was transpiring, um, the state of Hawaii stopped keeping health records on the west side of the county. Mm-hmm. That's when they were trying and, to take
4: over in GMO, the poi, and the the
2: um, yeah yeah
4: what yeah. was we we were there we were there we were in uh in Hawaii at that time and we actually went to some events some you know um, good educational events yeah. and such about how they were trying to move in Monsanto and such were trying to move in and take over I forget what all the crops were but but we were actually there and attended some of that participated in some of that
3: Well, they'd already been there too. They'd already been there for a long, for quite a while. They kind of sneaked in, and it was only when the health of the West Side residents just tanked, and there were all these cancers and all of these childhood disorders and stuff like that, uh, that I and and I haven't heard anything since. It's sort of like. In uh, Fallon, New Mexico and Fallon, Nevada, you know, the same thing there, too.
4: Mm-hmm. The great men of the earth.
3: Yeah. That's oh, what the and, scriptures talk thing about. about the, yeah. Oh, do you remember... right now,
4: you know, we're in a time we're a time in a time in this country where the great men of the earth are attempting to do a whole other level of takeover of America and turn it into another fascist state. That's you know, basically what's going on right now.
3: Okay, I'd like to continue on a little vein here. Do you remember Joe Domingo's um book on your money or your life? Where he redefined hmm. money as the he redefined money as being your life energy. That what people no, don't realize. No, I don't remember. I, I don't remember gold. that book, but yeah, it was a uh, it was a real eye opener for me. And he talked hmm. about the indigenous cultures, and they had barter. And they were very aware that their barter was uh, their life energy in exchange for another before the indigenous people started really organizing into governmental institutions, you know, certain of them. And and that was a real – that's when I said, I'm out of gold and silver. Why am I playing this world's game? It's sort of like it's an extension of the beads, the shiny beads that were given to the Indians. It's the yep, same thing. Yep. And so, and I, I remember, remember the, uh, reading the Old Testament saying, I'll just finish this up real quick. The Old Testament saying <clears throat> that you shall live by the labor of your own hands. Period. Mm-hmm. And that's all it said.
4: yeah. Not Not by interest, you know when we exactly. give something that has when we give something that creates no increase in value, an increase in value that by definition is an inflation. you know I can remember when I was a kid, I actually owned a couple of homes i one of the first things I did is I started to buy and renovate homes, I had a couple of different homes, and the first house that I bought. I paid about $13,000 for. And, you know, it was it was probably built for when it was built because it was an older brick home at that time. I don't know. It was maybe 40 years old at that time. So it was probably built for about $2,000 when it was originally built. I paid thirteen for it my brother told me that the uh, a home in that neighborhood i don't know it was that same home but you know similar homes sold for half a million dollars right now right. now there's there's a, a, a structure that has created has had no wealth attached to its increase in value whatsoever and yet Somebody from two thousand dollars, and I didn't understand back then when I paid 13, I think I sold it for 20, I did quite a bit of work on it, and so I did increase its value somewhat, um, and I sold it for 20,000, and now it 's going for five hundred thousand dollars. And so when you think about that, you know where does that four hundred eighty thousand dollars come from? Because there's no increase in value, there's no increase in wealth of, you know, still the same brick and mortar. That's got to come out of somebody's pocket, and that's called inflation. <laughs> when you go back to the scriptures. Again, we're talking laws of living stuff now. It says, the earth is mine. Do You cannot buy and sell it. And they did allow the, for the exchange of property inside of city walls, but otherwise, it, it wasn't something that a developer could go in and, oh, I've got the Federal Reserve note, so I can buy this piece of land out from the peasant. They're just peasants anyway that that think they own it, and I'll turn it into a multi-million dollar profit scam. You know we need to get back to understanding how the actuality of the world works and in Aramaic the word law does not mean the rule of a superior as you know the kings today would like us to believe it's the ruler of superior the word law in aramaic just means the way things work and well when they were talking about you you earn your labor your life force your wealth by the work of your hands that you're creating an increase in value but if you get your hands on something that creates an increase in wealth without creating an increase in value that by definition is now theft And there's a whole like there's a whole mindset that needs to shift and change to get us back to actually functioning as human beings.
3: I can understand why the early Christians, or oh, they weren't Christians, the early believers refused to vote once that that Rome took on Christianity. Well, they never did before, but when Rome never- took on Christianity, and then. Oh, I, I don't.
4: I, I don't believe Rome ever took on. I don't believe Rome ever took on Christianity. Rome took on churchianity.
3: Right. Well, they Christianity they created rarely Christianity. entered a
4: mind in Rome.
0: <laughs>
3: right. It was uh, the way, if you like, because I don't think Christianity is actually the way of Yeshua anyway, but that's okay because there again the church rule. Yep.
4: Well, that's why There's I'm distinguishing between churchianity and Christianity.
5: Yeah, right. If
4: yeah. it were Christianity, yeah. it would be working familiar. according to the laws, the way it works within the actuality and the original thought structures of the man in Aramaic. It wouldn't be, uh, you know, Yeshua sat in most church buildings today and he'd say, that's all Greek to me.
3: Right, yeah, it's just a uh, different language and meanings we give for different words. So I'm right on the same page with you. Yeah, and um, um, I'm being paged, so I will I'll share the rest with you later. Thank you
4: so much. <laughs> okay, young lady. You have a blessed right, one. Son. Tell Larry we said hello oh. and send our love. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Well, Miss Jeannie?
1: It is all quiet out here. Somebody pressed well, the button. Well, you know.
4: That conversation kind of went a little different direction than we normally go. So I wonder if that's aroused any thoughts for anybody, any conversation, then? any uh, any thoughts regarding where Celinda and I just wandered off to.
1: We have another hand up. Great, let's go for it. Please, Miss Susan six one zero. You're on the air.
4: Hi.
0: Okay, guys. Going back, Michael, what did
4: you do to your ankle? Oh, I actually it wasn't my ankle. When I, you know, I've always had foot and, and ankle problems, and uh, I, I mean, I've sprained both of my ankles. I don't can't even count how many times in my life, but actually, my ankles. The last time I sprained them was in 1976. I sprained an ankle. And I was in Montreal, and I remember that very clearly because. Now, this, you'll get a laugh out of this one. I, I was actually in the music business in Nashville, Tennessee. I had a partnership in a, in a uh, music studio in Nashville. I was doing this work part-time at that point, and we had an Olympic song, and in uh, uh, seventy six was the 23rd Olympiad in Montreal. And I was... The designated representative to take, we had a young Canadian artist who was 14, just an awesome voice, and he had a really awesome song that he'd written for the Olympics. And so it was my job to go up and represent that song at the Olympics. And that was back in the day, 76, when platform shoes were in, Uh, if you remember. I did. I had a pair of platform shoes on. I think about that now it's like, oh my god, I can't believe it, but I did. And I was going across the street and the car came racing so I kind of had to, you know, race myself across the street and I fell off the platform shoes. My left oh. ankle, which is the foot the foot that I just entered, but it was my ankle, I twisted it far enough that from the platform shoes, the outside of my ankle scraped on the road. Oh. And there was a park. There was a park bench there. Now I probably, up until that time, I had sprained each ankle at least twenty times, and uh, and had at least oh fifteen different times had a nail in my foot. I used to love to go to construction sites as a kid. Any anyway, event, I scraped my ankle, and I, I had been involved in this work at that point. I'd been been in the study of healing, and there was a, a park bench on the other side of the road. I went over and I sat down, and I just tuned out of. I'm on a busy street in Montreal. I just tuned totally and completely out of the uh, the the environment externally. Went inside, and went into my ankle, and healed it. And I don't know how long I was there, but whatever time it was, was two minutes or maybe it was two hours, I don't know. But I got up off the park bench on my platform shoes and walked away with no ill effect to my ankle. That's the last time I sprained an ankle. However, I have been working on the, the last few months, I've got a chiropractor here, I've been working on, there's a, a stuck point in my left foot where I... I believe it was from a nail when I was maybe five or six and got a nail. That came, I can remember it actually came up through the top of my foot, from the bottom through the top of my foot, oh. the tip of the nail I could see. So um, so there's, there's always been, ever since I've done body work and, and such, massage, and there's always been this muscle structure in that foot that I could not open, I could not Relax. I could not let go. It was always locked up. So I've been working on that now for a couple of months and there's a new chiropractor I've been working with and they, there's a device they call an activator and she's been really putting that activator into that spot and working on it. And on, um, let's see, what day was it? I don't even know what day it was. But anyway, I went ahead and an just when she worked on, and I came up and I had some. Before we went on vacation, I wanted to finish off uh, an area. I was we're setting up as a new compost area, so I had uh, taken some uh, wood chips and put up there, and and some leaves and such. And I was spreading them, and I stepped up on the side of the hill, and I sprained not my ankle but my foot. Ow! Right down the center, right on that spot. So I believe it was the perfect adjustment that I needed. It was exactly, you know, the adjustment that my foot needed. It's like, okay, this is the next level. But I, I hobbled on crutches for a couple of days, and uh, it, it actually kind of laid me down a little bit. It was pretty intense. So, mm-hmm. How is it now? so that's what I did to my foot. Uh, much better. I'm, I'm walking. I went and did some work in the garden this morning, and, you know, I'm walking gingerly, but, but I'm walking. We've yep. got some things think, we need to get done before we leave here Saturday morning. Life is think, busy right now.
0: And you think it, it has corrected what had
4: happened with the I, nail? I believe that's probably. I won't really know. I don't think until yeah. it's totally, totally finished, and it's not. But yeah. that area that I have—I mean, I've literally worked on it for. 40 years trying well, to get that muscle group to let go, but it's something I could never find and never do. And it feels mm-hmm. like I have now, but again, because the healing isn't complete yet, I'm not 100% sure. But it feels right. like I've, I've got it. It opened it. Wow. It was, I think, the final Wonderful. step in opening it. So, So it was one of those wow. divine accidents.
0: You make good use of bad things.
4: I've had four or five of those that uh that I would have called accidents that now I, I know better. They're really not.
0: Yeah. Amazing. Well, talking about what you and Celinda were talking about, the injustices and the greed and all this stuff, my grandson Jacob is is uh has a tendency to rant about things, and you can relate right. to that because you you do your own version of it. His is more intense me? and what? <laughs> rant. What? <laughs> right, Michael. So <clears throat> I've spent a lot of time on the phone with him lately, but he gets into these tracks where. He's unstoppable and he's extremely bright. So he knows much more than I do about what people are doing and what's going on and right. such a mess mm-hmm. that he can't stop. And I've gotten to the point where I say, Mr. Boone, I want to spend time with you, not your rent. I don't disagree with anything <laughs> you say. In fact, I, I agree with what you're saying and I, I don't know what to say. You're preaching to the choir, though. And so stop the rant and tell me some other things. (laughs) And he will. He's gotten very good about saying, oh, oh, sorry. (laughs) You know, he'll say, oh, sorry. I know. (laughs) Catching Um, himself. (laughs) But I just wanted. (laughs) It's very cute. But he is an incredibly. It was his birthday yesterday, 23. We had a Zoom call. My daughter, Tim Bingham, me. And Jacob, and I thought, well, he's so fidgety, it'll be 10 minutes. Well, it was an hour. But I watched him, as you can do on Zoom, it's almost like spying, because you can pin a page and see only that person and see what they're doing. And thank goodness I really didn't do that with him. I was tempted. But he was pinching his forehead and combing his hair with his fingers and couldn't leave his face and head, which was the part that was visible, couldn't stop doing that all the time we were talking. And yet he was talking very openly about things and very appreciative that we called and telling this and that and telling about a a girlfriend. And he showed us, he videoed his room. He showed us around his room, which is another thing that he says is part of autism. He says he's on the spectrum and I think he may be right. He cannot. And I used to think he, he could, but he won't. Now I think he really is telling the truth that he cannot clean his apartment. And it is a wreck. It is just, you know, he says, well, the thing is, I know where everything is like I know that my blue striped shirt is over in that corner and and if I need to wear it I'll go get it off the floor and he says I really would like to clean my room but and I've had when his dad visited him before his dad moved all the way to Colombia he's now gone to Colombia he said my dad Colombia South America new, Yeah he's moved there oh, oh. with a new wife who does not speak speak English. And I can make a bad joke about that. She's lovely, but she doesn't know what he's saying to him. <laughs> and when she finally learns, she might not last very long, but he is totally lovely. And she cleaned the whole apartment for Jake and he appreciated it so much. And he said, I'm going to keep it neat. But he says he just can't. And I don't know why I'm telling you this, but it's part of this whole personality thing. And he can't, I'm afraid the situation in the world adds to a a level of angst for him that he's not going
4: to let go of.
0: It's just the way things are. And I know you he can relate to that. He sees the world
4: differently. Yeah, it, and that's one of the things about autism or being on the spectrum is they see the world differently.
0: Is there any anything I could do to... Get in line with that and, uh, I don't know, just know how to talk to him better.
4: Well, one thought I have is next time he comes to visit and he's going to spend any time there, or if you're going to go up and spend any time with him, get his hand in the Avacyn and apply some heat. Heat changes the, the spectrum, the dynamic of being on the spectrum. I mean, you know, we had a conversation about that last week. I've been doing some research in right. different areas and um, wow. working to comprehend on a different level that whole process. But...
0: Wow, that's a good thought. Yeah. Okay. All right. I don't need to take a whole radio show. I just wanted to to ask you about your foot and please keep us updated and i, I hope I it's shall. not going to be in, in uh difficult to travel with it
4: no no it's it's on the it, i'm i'm about the uh 45 probably the 85 percentile of, of healed. Jeannie genie uh, had told me when i did this you know last week like you know we're getting ready to go on vacation and uh it seems like and you know it's an issue i've been looking at it it seems like um right around when it's time for us to travel and we point we went through the fact that the last three times that i've been to my sons i've been on crutches <laughs> it's like well this happened oh, a week yeah. before and i'm i'm about 85 percent true it so i'm going to be clean for next week but uh but that Whoa. we have noticed that uh, that's tied in that's been a pattern that uh, when we've been on the road, we did it once a couple of years ago. We were going on a week. We had a timeshare with Jeannie's dad, and we were going on a week with him. And I ended up on on crutches for the week. And so that uh, so so it's been uh, it's, so, it's one of those uh, issues. I you know my work has been around.
0: Yeah, I was going to make a wisecrack, but I won't.
4: <laughs> go ahead, go for it. What the heck? I can take it.
0: No, Well, it's just going to be, where are the tools? All of the above.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. it. Every one of them. I've been doing them all. I've actually, as yeah. I said, this this was intense enough that it laid me down pretty good for a couple of days. And, uh, yeah. um, and my focus has been on, and in fact, one of the gifts that it's given me is another level, you know, something I was planning to share on the show, another level of, spending time becoming acquainted and building relationship with the active presence of love and directing that energy. I spent a lot of time directing that energy into my foot this week. And uh, actually, it's interesting. As I just said, that uh, some pulses just went, and, and I've been practicing doing that more and more. And I just mm-hmm. as I said those words, the pulse went right through my foot. I could just feel the muscles wow. popping in my foot. So, so, uh, wow. but just it's it's brought home to me on another level the importance of us spending time cultivating that relationship with active present love and being able to direct it and
0: yeah. you know,
4: bring its healing power into physiology and into the world.
0: Mm. So when you were on the crutches and laid up, I don't know if I can ask this because you're the facilitator and I'm the client. Go for
4: it. How did you feel? Please
0: do. I'm, how did I'm you open. feel? <laughs> I hurt.
4: just wanted to it know how like you felt
0: And were you depressed? See, I get disgusted and depressed when I'm immobilized because I'm used to moving around a lot, and you are too.
4: So, yeah. anyway. Um, no, I don't. Actually, what it did was it turned me inward on another level. That's what I just shared, that it gave me yeah. that gift on another level of the importance of being into, in touch with that presence of love and to direct it. Which I'd spend a lot of time doing, you know where where normally I'd be doing other things, and I left a lot of things alone and went into that on another level,
0: and Jeannie took up the slack, I bet
4: well, Jeannie's always doing her share, and then some I mean the most common thing yeah. with Jeannie is I have to say, stop, come, lay down, put your hand in the and stop, go get in a hot bath or I'll run the water for her or you know it's like stop Mm -hmm. Jeannie stop (laughs) so she's always doing her (laughs) share and then and then some and thank you sweetie when you do
1: and thank you even deeper
4: when you take care of yourself sweetie
1: (laughs) thank you (laughs) and we do have another caller
4: (laughs) all right well thank you Miss Susan we appreciate you Thanks. appreciate you, too, Michael. Thanks a lot. Okay. Take care.
1: Bye-bye. Hello, Joe. 864, you're on the air. Joe Bryson. Here's a man who is outstanding. Everybody
4: who doesn't know Joe Bryson, let me announce him. He is a man who is outstanding in his field. And if you don't believe that, I have a picture on my phone of him outstanding in a field, and I'll send it to you if you want to see it. So this is Joe Uh, Bryson. Hey, young man, how are you?
5: Oh, are you kidding me? I, I I just well you know, it's been it's been too long. I mean, I love we we've really got to that understanding of introducing me. I love my guest appearance. Is that a good enough introduction? Are you happy with that? Oh. Well they well, happy's not right. I mean happy's yes. Yes and, and no. Does it support uh, you living in joy? <laughs> yes.
4: Yes. Have I achieved absolutely. your goal for You're you? Welcome. For me, the goal you Amen. have for me, for Amen. you, for me. Whoever it is, Amen. how are they? <laughs> yeah. Okay.
5: I just, uh, I, I absolutely marvel at the fact, for me, that the, um, I don't know how, I don't know how to explain the, when, when, when something takes me out of the flow of love. Um. You know, whatever it may be, there's. I I don't really have any, and I don't want any kind of disguise to to disguise that. I don't I don't know that I do, but it, it's just I I find it interesting to to be to be shown one side of the coin, shall we say, to to explain what I'm saying here, is that right. pain or the the idea of pain that. Well, uh-oh, I, I I'm not in the right. I'm not in the flow of conscious, active loving, and but as long as I wait and and I'm patient, I think that's a it's it's just unbelievable how just get quiet and be patient because it's going to come around, and I'll, I and I feel so much better, you know. This too relatives to right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another way to put it. This too shall pass. Yes. Yeah. So it's this relationship stuff whereby uh, you know something gets said about something, and uh, and the way I hear it is is this way, and it's just it's oh you know oh that hurts or that you know the, oh the pain of that oh. And I and I find myself. What's exciting is to say, okay, whoa, 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 whoa! You're never, you're never upset for the reason you think. So be with this.
1: Be right. with
5: this and be be quiet and just you know hold the space. Yeah, hold the space. The um, you know wait for or that. maybe it's more properly like be more, be the space. Right. Right. Yeah. Being being is. Really seems to be the one coming up is saying, okay, what's this? What's this all about? What's just being, being love, yeah. being, or not even, not even necessarily to be love. It's just, just breathe into whatever's coming up and uh, maintain your human life. Yeah, maintain. Yeah, yeah, maintain my human life in the presence the of all the craziness. Is, <laughs> oh, the, the, plus the codependency, the I, the notion. really the notion that, you know, without, without you, I'm not going to be okay. I think that that is another area where, you know, I've got a lot of, or I've got some issues to work on and with, and I just don't, my self-talk sometimes, I just marvel at it. You know, certainly I'm happy to say that I, can self-regulate and see and feel and hear and uh, witness and hold a space of that nasty self-talk or, um, but it seems to be, catching, your, catching your regulatory like, speech. Yeah. There you go. Oh. Yeah, the right, the right. Regu- yeah. That's, that's a regulatory to regulate one's own, you know, someone, someone may say, uh, what is it you don't like about me? Well, you know, you could say something, but regulating my speech and well, I'm not going to say something. I'm not going to say this because I think that this person's reaction to it will be unhappier. I'm going to stir unhappiness for them. So I guess uh, you know that. See that there's now there's a question, and that is, okay. What is it? What is it to do? What can I do to someone says, "Okay, well, you know, tell me about what is it you don't like about me? Well, I'm not gonna be honest. I'm not gonna be I don't know if the right word is to say brutally yeah you know, I mean i on the one hand yeah, to be in my truth, to be in my be I should say what I think right
4: so how about a mind shifter, okay. Got a pen and paper? I'm driving. Okay. Well, let me just give give me a second here. I'm
1: writing it down. Okay. Ooh, ooh, ooh.
5: How lucky are we, Michael? I mean, she's right there. Amazing. It's true. It's
4: true. It's safe and healing. And people have always deeply appreciated me. People have always and acknowledged me. And acknowledged me for saying and for speaking exactly what's on my mind. What you mind say to that one?
5: Well, uh, regulation of of to regulate what I'm about to say, or if if there is if it is something that I think is gonna is going to possibly irritate the other person, or again, you know, and I'm guessing it's completely my guess as to how they're gonna react to something. But um, on the other hand, the honest truth typically leads to some refreshing, you know, this too shall pass kind of um, healing of...
4: You know. Then we'll add to that mind shifter because the truth is always safe and healing.
5: It's... Oh, okay. Uh, you know... And just be with it, be with the upset. Because
4: so that's what'll go um, on the right um, side of the page when you start writing the mind shifter.
5: Oh, right, right, right.
4: <sighs> Good one. Good breath. There you go. That's the kind that heals. And the show's going to cut us off in any second, but we'll continue talking to us.
5: Uh, okay. Um, yeah, what happened? You guys, you guys got cut off yesterday in the, somewhere in the forties. I don't know what is it, uh, one forty-five or so. I don't know or one forty something. Just but the show. What time is it? the show goes to two?
4: Two o'clock. That's it.
5: Yeah. Unless yeah. I'm
4: out of things to say and there's nobody that's interested in asking questions, then we might finish right. it well early. That happens, was but no, not very often. Yes,
5: actually, oh, the full you pre-recorded, hour, pre-recording. Okay. It wasn't. Was that a shorter show
4: yesterday, Jeannie?
1: I'd have to go back and look. I'll check.
5: Oh. Okay. No, 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 cool. no. You don't I don't. Doesn't need to check. I just feel like I find myself with my speech, and uh, and not so much verbal speech, but my in my interior uh, dialogue with yep. myself, or just mm-hmm. the, the ego is just man.
4: Work to be done. How cool is that? <laughs> yeah.
5: Yeah, All well, right, sir, you're, cool you're on like the path with us. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Talk to you.
4: It's a good thing. All right. Yeah. Take care. Blessings. Bye-bye.